0: our connection there, but we left there um, 14 years ago, I think it is, um, and pioneered the church in Sydney's northwest, um, but just to give you a little bit of understanding um, about what what we've done, where we've been, who it is that's talking to you to bring you the word of God today, the Lord spoke to me when I was leading a youth group in Mildura in, in uh, 1979 and i was somewhat frustrated with the young people because some wanted to go on with god and some wanted to muck around <laughs> and uh i went to a keith green concert anybody anybody remember keith green there you go and um, i went to a keith green concert in Mel- melbourne and i was driving home and uh, the lord spoke to me in the car and he I'm, i was just explaining my frustration And he said, run with those that will run. And so I handed the youth group over to my deputy and I started a ministry which we have continued to run until this day um, called Beautiful Feet Task Force. We've pastored churches, we've pioneered churches, we've assisted, we've done missions, we've done all kinds of things. But the heart of our ministry is to win the lost for Jesus and and to take people on life-changing journeys that so they can experience things that they perhaps wouldn't experience in their normal everyday life and so with that in mind we've taken people on small teams on trips to India and Sri Lanka and uh, many other Asian countries uh, Malaysia and Hong Kong and China and and Indonesia Um, and then (laughs) Uh, Nearly 20 years ago, the world started to open up to us and we started travelling Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, UK and um, then uh, the Pacific Islands and New Zealand and then to um, Africa in 2007. And sort of Africa has kind of taken over. Now Africa, a lot of people call Africa a country, but in actual fact it's not a country. You probably know that, but um, Africa is 58 different countries, including all the islands that associate with it. Um, But it's a big place, Africa. You all know that Australia's big, right? Right? Um, anybody that's ever met anybody that comes from the UK, they can't get over how big Australia is because, you know, like England fits like about four times into Victoria or something. So, <laughs> um, Australia is a big place. Well, Africa is two and a half times Australia, right? But it's 58 countries and uh, there's a lot of people. There's about a billion people uh, in Africa. Um, and some countries are quite big, and some are quite small, uh, some have got a lot of population, and some have got s- small some are fairly well off and some are a lot are very poor uh, and there 's big cities, mega cities, and there 's lots of rural areas and people live basically um, pretty much hand to mouth, most people uh, but There's an incredible thing happening across Africa, particularly sub-Saharan Africa. There's um, a move of God happening in Africa that is unprecedented, really, uh, probably anywhere. Um, There is a passion and a hunger to preach the gospel, to share the gospel, to bring people to Christ to plant churches and so they're planting all over the place now there's there are some problems and I'm not going to go into that but but what's happening is there is a there is a move of God like he's blowing his breath across the southern two-thirds of Africa and uh, people are coming to Christ it's been our privilege to be in 11 different African, or 12 I think it is now, to African countries and um, do crusades, uh, stand, on, stand on rickety old stages and, and, and preach the gospel in car parks and marketplaces and, and uh, see great miracles happen, fantastic miracles. I do remember one miracle when Joy was with me in Kenya. We were doing a, a small crusade in a little market place in a little town and um, that w- we actually was using the veranda of a, a series of shops. There's about four or five shops. And, and there's a little veranda. It's only uh, probably not as wide as your stage. And uh, that's where I stood. And the people were out in the marketplace. And, and so they had some music up there. And then they got me up there to speak. And I shared the gospel and invited people to come for prayer. Now, we'd had some some uh, pastor's training in the church in that town. And the, um, I, I'd said that, you know, we'll be praying for the sick at the crusade. And one lady had gone and, and she told her husband, was her husband? That we'd be praying at the crusade. So he came to the pastor's leadership teaching session I said, No, 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 I said he will be praying for the sick at the, at the crusade in the marketplace, so I made him sit there all that time and, uh, and then when we, it, we started the crusade about four o 'clock in the afternoon, so by the time we 've had music and preaching and what have you i don 't know it was at least an hour later and and um, he was there, he was there, and he was he was there, one of the first, he was early, and he He was sitting up on the stage because it was a market. So there was no really any place to sit. So he's sitting up there on the back of the the stage. And when I gave the appeal for the people who were just kind of milling around out there in in the marketplace. Who needs healing? Come and we'll pray for you. I saw him out of the corner of my eye just starting to move. And he had to come down about six steps. And he had a walking stick and he was in real pain and real problems and he was an elderly chap and uh, others had already come and I started to pray for people that had come to the front for prayer uh, for the various sicknesses and and I saw this guy and and he's making his way but there must have been a dozen or more people there already before he got there and then when I saw that he'd come I went to him and I prayed for him and uh, he had everything wrong with him. He'd come home to the home village to die. That's how he, he, he was, you know. There were so many things wrong with him that you, you couldn't repeat them all. And he, he came and he couldn't walk. And I prayed for him and I said to him, Do you believe that when we pray for you, God will heal you? He said, Yes. So I prayed for him. That's all I need. I need that little bit of faith. I need that little spark of faith from somebody. And pray prayed for him and I said, so what couldn't you do? Well, it was obvious he couldn't walk because it had taken him so long to get there and he had to negotiate down these steps and he's leaning on his stick like this. So I said, what about if you let me have that stick and I put it behind me on the stage said let's see how you're walking so i just took him by the hand and let him let him walk i said let me let go and i let go and he just started walking and then he started walking up and down and i said can you show these people because they couldn't see there's a crowd of people around us can you go up on the stage there's about six steps up on the on the stage can you go up on there and and just walk up and down there and so the bishop that's organized the the meeting He's up there and, and this guy, this old guy, he starts walking up and down and then the bishop stops him and he says, what else can you do? And he goes like this. Uh. <laughs> this guy starts doing star jumps and then he starts bending down and touching his toes. He says, I couldn't do any of that. God just, God just healed him of a whole stack of different things and uh, it's so exciting when you see God just turn up And the thing that I've found is that God turns up when we invite his presence. When we're ready, when we're ready to just say, God, come in, come in. We're just ready for you. And sometimes it's physical like that. But sometimes we need a a change of heart as well. We need a change of heart so that we can actually be appreciative of God's presence in our lives. Sometimes there's stuff in our lives that we actually have to deal with. Sometimes there are wrong thoughts, wrong attitudes, just wrong characteristics in our lives that prevent us from drawing close to God. Every time we want to come close to God, something stops us. And we need to get close to God because it's in His presence there 's fullness of joy, and that fullness might be might be just in your your enthusiasm, but that fullness might be in healing of your attitudes that fullness might be in the healing of your physical body or your your mental state and i haven 't got time today to tell you, but God has healed me of many things, physical and mental over the years, and we 've seen God do some incredible things. Joy and I stayed with a man in in um, Nairobi and uh, we've had him preach at our church in Australia here. He's a, he's a Rwandan by, by nationality and you'll remember uh, 15, 20 years ago or something there was a um, big genocide in Rwanda and the tribes were fighting and killing each other. And he he's from there and uh, a bomb blew up in the house next door to him and it destroyed that house and smashed into his house and, and uh, he was severely injured um, and uh, took a lot of shrapnel in his body and they took him to a hospital which was a makeshift hospital, it was a, for, it was a school that had been just turned into a makeshift hospital and there he died. And uh, they didn't have proper facilities because it was a school And they wrapped his body in sheets and stored it in the corner. There was nowhere else, nothing else to do. And the the rebels were coming and the hospital staff all fled, just left the patients. And uh, when the rebels came, uh, they were on their way, this friend of mine, his name's Emmanuel, And uh, he wrote a a book called Seven Days in Heaven because he was dead for seven days and he sat up in the corner where they'd left him for seven days and God brought him back to life. And he talks about in his book the stories of what God showed him in heaven during seven days. Um, And then all the patients gave their lives to Jesus and then the rebels came and uh, the rebels were wanting to kill all the staff and the staff had all gone and the patients said, this man was dead and he just came back to life. And he started to preach to him and the rebels ran away. And all the patients were saved. <laughs> um, and uh, God does things that we might not think are possible. All right, uh, His story's been verified by many people. And God's taken him around the world to many, many countries. He's even preached and prayed for presidents and uh, the Pope. And the Queen of England. And he has had an incredible opportunity to share his story. Because uh, God used him. Just a a Mr. Nobody really. Um, But he was ready to preach the gospel. Are you ready to preach the gospel? Are you ready for a God encounter? Two. Anybody else? (laughs) Are you ready for a God encounter? Let me just share something with you from the scriptures before I do I just want to mention that we've got a couple of books out the back there Um, this is one that I wrote uh, 25 years ago and I finally got it in print about two years back Um, it's a foundation study for new believers but sets people on a right and solid track um, and it goes through all the foundation uh, teachings that you need to have a good solid victorious Christian life So if you want to get one of those, they're out the back there um, on the desk as you come in. So praise the Lord. The presence of God, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Let me set the scene. Jesus... Has died, and yet, although he's resurrected, nobody knows it. So that's where we are in the timeline. Nobody knows that he's resurrected yet. There's, there's some disciples that are walking down the road to Emmaus. It's just a short journey from Jerusalem, and and. This guy comes and joins them as they're talking in a sad tone about the events that have just happened. And this is Jesus, they don't recognize him. He's now resurrected and he says, what is it that you're talking about? Why are you so sad? And he starts to open to them the scriptures. And they don't recognize him. And then they go into a place where they're going to stay the night and they're going to eat. And he takes the bread and he breaks it and he blesses them. And they recognize him and instantly he disappears. So we're talking about these guys walking down the road. They're having a moment with Jesus. And this is what the scripture records about them retelling their story. Didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked with us and while he opened the scriptures to us? When God talks to you, there's a burning in your heart. Something happens. It's not religious. It's not like going to church and doing the same old, same old as you have always done. It's about meeting with God. And if we don't meet with God, all we've got is religion. So we need to meet with God. We need to have an encounter with God. And these guys... Now, you know, I, I... I do a lot of evangelistic events and and people come and they go, oh, I need a touch from God. And I go, "Ugh, it gives me cringe factor. I don't want a touch from God. Excuse me. Sorry, pastor. I don't want a touch from God. I want to meet him. Is that okay? We need to know him, not just get a touch from him. If we know Him, we live in His presence. It's not something that we go to on a special occasion and encounter Him, but we live in His presence. Think about the Old Testament. They knew God as the God who occasionally touched a prophet. He occasionally spoke to them through the cloud. (gasps) Frightening as it was. But they didn't know him. Now Moses spent time in the tabernacle. It says that he went in to the presence of God and he came out. And the glory of God was upon his face. And so he put a veil on his face. The scripture tells us why he put the veil on his face. and Most people have misread it. Most people think he put the veil on his face because of the glory of God that was shining on his face. But it wasn't, was it? No. The glory of God was shining on his face. But the scripture says that he put the veil over his face so that the people would not see the glory fading away. Because the glory was fading. The glory he got when he was in the presence and as he left the presence, the glory started to fade away. We need to be in the glory. Moses knew God better than probably any other Old Testament prophet or person. He knew God. He spoke with him. He spent 40 days on the mountain with God who fed him and watered him for 40 days. He comes down and he leads the children of Israel out of Egypt across 40 years in the desert and he trains a young man to be his successor. He trains Joshua for the job that is to come. And the Bible tells us that Moses went into the tent and spent time with God and he came out and he spoke to the people. But Joshua stayed in the presence of God. Because Joshua had a job to do. An even more critical job than what Moses had. Joshua had to lead the people into the possession of the promised land. He had to take them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. You know that God has a promised land for you. He has a promise for you that you'll live in victory. That you'll live in his provision. That you'll live in his comfort. That you'll live in his blessing. God has that promise For you, but we have to live in His presence, and that's what Joshua did. He lived in His presence. Joshua says, after Moses has died, Moses went up on the mountain and was never seen again, and uh, God told Joshua that he was dead. uh, Joshua says in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. You and these people get ready to cross Jordan. So they were near to the, to the Jordan River. And they were to go in and possess their promised land on the other side of the river. There was no bridge. Just want you to know that there was no bridge. How are they going to get across This Jordan River. The Jordan River is actually in flood at the time. And there is somewhere between three and four million people to get across this flooded river without a bridge. You do the logic. Okay. How did they do that? And God had spoken to Joshua how to do it. But first, he says, they had 30 days of mourning for Moses. They mourned for Moses. And then god speaks and encourages joshua and he says don't be terrified or discouraged but be strong he even sent the spies in to spy out jericho which was the first city they were going to encounter and you'll remember the story of the spies and they they were looking for them because they heard the spies from the israelites have come and we need to get them so they don't take back a report about how frightened we are of them And so they hid and Rahab the prostitute who had a house in the wall of Jericho hid them and they made a promise to her. That if she would keep this red cord hanging out of her window and she would gather in her family into that room that God would protect them and they would make sure that she's protected. So the spies came back and then they're ready to go. They came back with this report the people of the land are fearful of us. And God has given us this land and we're going to go in and possess it. God has a promised land for you. And the people who have got it now are fearful of losing it because they've heard about you. They have heard about you. They have heard about you. And they're fearful of you getting what they've got. But God has promised it to you. when the Israelites came right up to the Jordan River it says they camped with the Lord. I don't know if you understand Bible typology but <clears throat> the Red Sea is typical of coming out of the world. Egypt stands for the world. Coming out of the Red Sea is coming out of the world. It's, it's equivalent of a born again experience where we come out of the world and we come into relationship with Christ. Going through the wilderness is a testing time. Going across the Jordan River is equivalent to being baptised with the Holy Spirit. It's the the God provision. It's coming into the fullness of the promises of God. So the people are coming into the Jordan River. And they've got to get baptised in the Holy Spirit if they're going to go in and take this promised land. Now, we need to pursue... The presence of God. I think we're on slide number four. Um, We have to pursue the presence of God. This is what Moses had taught Joshua. This is what Joshua spent his time doing. Now he's leading the people. He's had to spend that time in God's presence. And they come to the crossing of the Jordan River. How are we going to get three or four million people across this flooded river? And... It's just an incredible miracle in itself, how they got across there. But he has this word from God. And when you have a word from God, you can do anything. You can do the impossible. You can do the things that you think can't be done when you have a word from God. And Joshua has a word from God. He says, put the ark in the front and let the Levites carry it and let the people stand well back and watch and not to come too close to the ark. And let them walk into the river and when the river is dried up let them cross. So they stand in the river. Now I'm not sure how deep it was as it how quickly it went down or anything like that but they stand in the river in flood. The Bible doesn't say and suddenly a blew a wind and it was all dry. No, it didn't happen like that. It says that the river dried up from Adam, which is a town about 30 kilometers upstream. Upstream, how long does that water take to flow down that 30 kilometers? That these guys, the priests that were holding the ark, had to stand in the river by faith, believing that God is going to make a way for them to cross. There's a testing time happens when we when we're about to enter into the presence of God and he wants to see that your faith will hold strong through that he wants to see that your faith is strong enough so that when you look at your circumstances and the water is all around you and you go how am I going to get across there but God has given me a word but God has given me a word and these guys stood there and finally the water dried up and the whole of the Israelites went across the river and then they come up to Jericho. Something about pursuing the presence of God is something that's out of the ordinary. It's out of your normal day life. You go to work, you get up, oh, you get up, you go to work, you, you have your meals, you come home, you look after your family and and it's normal everyday life. But something about pursuing the presence of God says, I've got to do something extra, something special. It's not my works that's going to get me into his presence. It's my passion. Yeah. It's because I believe that I'm going to be in his presence, not because I did something. Yeah. So then, I wonder, half of you are old enough to re- remember, and the other half might have seen it anyway. Um, there's a movie out of uh, 30, 40 years ago, called Indiana Jones. Yes, okay. And um, Indiana Jones was, uh, uh, was uh, an adventurer. Um, and he, he actually is pursuing the Ark of the Covenant. But every time something, he gets a bit closer, some great hoon that's intent on destroying him comes and pops up. But this guy has got a dogged persistence. He's relentless in pursuing his goal. And everything goes wrong, but he's always after the goal. He always manages to overcome the last little obstacle. And there's another scary thing coming, but he always manages to overcome. I want you to think about his dogged persistence and think, I want the presence of God like Indiana Jones wants the ark. Okay, I want the presence of God in my life because the presence of God in my life is going to change things. It's going to change me. And when I'm changed, I'm going to change my community. I'm going to change my family. I'm going to change my life. I'm excited about this place because you've got a big vision. I'm excited because you've got lots of land out there that you can do stuff with to impact this community. I just want to tell you about a little town Just to inspire you, a little town of 2,000 people roughly um, in the south of New South Wales called Walla Walla. Anybody know where it is? No, it's halfway between Wagga Wagga and Albury. Okay, got it now? Walla Walla is a town of about 2,000 people. And there's a church there. They've got 200 people in their church. You think about two, oh, there's lots of churches with two hundred people. They've got ten percent of their community in their church. Yeah. Oh, blessing, Pastor Graham Klemke down there. Yeah, that's yeah? you know Graham. Absolutely. Now, they're affecting their community, and when ten percent of your town is in your church, you're affecting your community. They all know about you. Yeah. You're not just the weird mob. You're the people that do stuff. You're the people that bring life to the community. You're the people that change things. You're the people that help them. Because you've had an encounter with the presence of God. Not because you're Rotary Club. God bless Rotary Club. But Rotary Club won't ever be able to do what you can do. Twelve men Jesus took and changed the world. Twelve men. What can we do? After this, the, um, back in the Israelites, back in the wilderness, after the sin of the golden calf, you remember that Moses up on the mountain? They said, no, Well, you don't know what's happened to Moses. Aaron, why don't you make us a golden calf so we can worship it? Here's all our rings and everything and melt it down. And Aaron made them a golden calf. Of course, Moses was a bit annoyed when he came down. <laughs> put it mildly and after that the Levites were instructed to go and to kill with the sword all those that had participated in this idolatry and that day they killed 3,000 of their own people with the sword that would have been a bloody day but we cannot have sin in the camp of God we cannot have sin in the camp of God. And God says, I, I love you. I want to bless you. But it's not just a free-for-all. There are rules. You need to follow the rules. Holiness is the rule. But it's not, it's not an external thing. It's a heart thing. It's not something that you do. It's not because you, know, you wear the right shirt. And uh, honestly, I've seen some of the African churches and they've got this incredible ritualism of you know clothing and I've seen churches there's churches over there where they are gathering their thousands and they're all dressed in the same blue suit thousands of them gather together there's others that wear the white robe from neck to foot you know thousands of them I saw them parading down a street one day and they're doing their on their way to their church you go what are they they're not Hare Krishnas but they look a bit like them but it's not about the externals. It's about the heart. And there are lots of people have got the externals, but they've not fixed up the heart. And God, can't, God doesn't inhabit the presence of your heart if you're filled with, filled with sin. We have to fix these things. The sin is the thing that stops us entering into his presence. So we've got to follow the ark, follow the passion, and then renewal and revival will come. If I was to ask you, were you interested in having revival here, what would you say? Just three of you? Any more? Anybody else want revival here? But you know what? Most of you don't. Sorry. Sorry to be blunt. Most of you don't because revival will cost you. And you're not prepared to pay the price you've not had an encounter with the presence when we've had an encounter with the presence we want the revival and we don't care about the cost but until we've had that encounter with his presence we want revival we want somebody else to do it we want somebody else to bring it and we want somebody else to look after the new christians are messy sorry but they are you know they haven't learned all the niceties But there is mess in the church and so there should be because there should be new believers in the church that are learning how to love God. And they need our help. They need our help to grow and mature in understanding. We don't have to tell them, stop you this and stop you that. Just bring them to an encounter with the presence of Jesus. Some places, places are all about, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that and stop this and stop that. Yeah, those, those things will stop. But give people an encounter with the presence of God, and those things will stop. You know, God will speak into their hearts. Trust Him; He's big enough. We don't have to tell people what not to do. Just give them a taste of the presence and the glory of God. So these Jordan River people—they're getting across. These people—they're getting across this Jordan River, and. Um, John the Baptist said about the Holy Spirit. He said, the one's coming after me and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And fire. Thank you. And fire. Baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Sounds so lovely, doesn't it? Oh, so nice. Oh, good. Oh, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And fire. And we have encountered... Some serious fires in this country. We were talking about it this morning at breakfast, or yesterday, whenever. We know in this country what fires are all about. And fires are dangerous places. Fires burn up everything. And uh, early last year, after the fires, Joy and I took a drive through some of the fire-ravaged countries, and there's just nothing, just blackness everywhere. And there is nothing left because fire purifies, fire destroys everything except that which can't be destroyed. Yeah. <clears throat> and there are things in your life that can't be destroyed. The holiness of God, the righteousness of God which is given you, the presence of God that cannot be destroyed is in you. But there's other stuff that we attach to our lives, materialism and, and our selfish desires and our lust and our love of everything else. And God wants to burn it up. You see, he says he's going to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. He's going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit that will enable us and the fire that will purify and remove the dross. When they make gold, anybody wearing gold? Um, it's It's pure. It doesn't come out of the ground like that. It comes out in rock and they have to purify it. And they purify it with fire. It's the heat of the fire that purifies it. And the gold and all the rubbish that's in it and the bits of rock and dirt and dross comes to the surface and they skim it off to get the pure gold. And the only way that God is going to get the pure out of you is to burn it with fire until the dross is gone. And sometimes I remember in my early days we, we wondered how, how God knew about stuff. You know? How did God know about that? You know? But God burns stuff up in our lives and we come to a pursuit of his presence that is like nothing else. I want to encourage you, not, don't just come to church and sing songs. You know, songs are great if they help us. Worship, But through this last year, we've had to learn how to worship without songs. We've had to learn to worship without music. We've had to learn how our hearts can come into his presence. And some have not learned. But if we have really already learned, nothing changed. Nothing changed. It was only the externals that changed. The songs were different. Now we're sitting a mile apart but that's just to comply with government rules and regulations. Let's purify our hearts by removing the coarse and the unsuitable and the immoral characteristics from our lives. 2 Timothy 2.21 says this, Cleanse yourself from everything base, (coughs) disgraceful and dishonourable. Then you will be made holy and useful to the Master. James 4.8 says, Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. 1 John 3.3 says that everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. We sang a song earlier, and I take uh, a little bit of offense at the song, not that you or the church or the musicians or anything but there's one word in the song that I disagree with and it says we're, we're praying for a near revival what on earth is a near revival either we have revival or we don't yeah. hey, Well, it's always been near it's been near just outside of your reach until you get passionate enough to reach into it Passion. revival is there we are having revival um, I don't know if you've been around Christianity for forty years or so said that fairly sort of muffled um, <clears throat> I remember in the days when the biggest churches biggest Pentecostal churches in Sydney were just two or three four hundred people they were the biggest but now although population has grown We have twenty or thirty churches or more beyond a couple of thousand people. That's revival. Yeah. Yeah, we're in some kind of revival. It's happening. It's happened so slowly that we didn't really see it, but we've grown, and those churches have grown, and there's lots and lots and lots of more churches than there used to be. Something's happening. Are we ready to be part of it? Are we ready to do the hard yards? Are we ready to put in our effort? Great testimony from Ben today about learning how when we put in our offering, God is able to provide. God is able to provide. I'd love to tell you some stories, but you know, I'm going to skip on those. Um, when we come into the promised land, slide seven, Ben, um, Joshua says to the children of Israel, sanctify yourselves. We've got to come in. We've got to have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. They are the three areas that we fight against. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is all around you. Everybody you meet that is not a believer is of the world. And they've got a world system and a world way of thinking. They have a world way of thinking. We have to actually come out of that. Yeah. The flesh. You got flesh? I've got flesh. And it's not just about your body, it's about your mindset. Yeah. It's about your selfishness, your desires for self. And the devil. We have to overcome the devil. And we think, well, we can't overcome the devil because he's too big and ugly for us. Jesus already did that. Jesus already did that. All we have to do is to acknowledge what he's done. Live in what he's done. And yes, I've overcome the devil. The devil has no part in me. Because I don't give him any chance because I've already got the victory. I've got to overcome the flesh. That's my job. And, And I've got to extricate myself from the world so that the world system doesn't get on me. And then I'm starting to prepare myself for his presence remember Rahab slide eight remember Rahab that prostitute that hid the two the two spies as they came into Jericho when they came in and they blew the trumpets and the walls fell down her house was the only bit of the wall that was left standing and they took her and they rescued her and her family and they fulfilled the promise that they'd given to her and she amalgamated into Israel and a few generations later she becomes, in fact, the great-great-grandmother of King David. How is that? God has a blessing for you. He has a blessing for you. She was a, a foreigner to the promises of God. She was outside of the covenant and not entitled to anything. But she hid them and she said, I want to touch your God. Yep. Have you said that? I want to touch you, God. I want to touch you. I want to, don't want a touch from you. I want to be in touch with you. How's that? And that's going to make a difference in our lives. And... Uh, just going to round it up with this little story here about a ship, an old galleon sailing ship and a uh, fighting ship. And they have uh, big sails and they have cannons and uh, all the guys to run the ship. And it encounters a great serious storm. And in this great storm, the ship is tossed around and uh, it's... it's These are experienced sailors. They know how to handle a storm, but it's still frightening. And then they hear this big crashing sound, unfamiliar to what happens in a storm. It's not the sound of the waves. It's not the sound of the wind, but it's something else. It's in the ship. And there's this big wooden crashing sound. And as they investigate, they find that one of the cannon that's under the deck has come loose from its moorings. And with every toss of the waves of the sea, the cannon is getting thrown against the sides of the ship and smashing into the sides of the ship. And as the ship starts to encounter this smashing, it starts to smash holes in the side of the ship. And the captain sends some men down to risk their lives to secure this cannon because he realized that the loose cannon inside was more dangerous than the storm on the outside yeah? yeah we can weather the storm of life but if there's a problem on the inside we're going to get sunk mm-hmm. we have to fix the sto- the problems on the inside so I want to encourage you today because it's uh, sometimes we tell people it's not it's not that fashionable to say you know you need to repent <laughs> uh, but that's what Jesus said. It's not that fashionable to say that there's a problem in the house, but that's what Jesus said. Um, Jesus talked to the religious leaders and he said, you bunch of whitewashed sepulchres. I mean, he's really nice to them, wasn't he? You know? He didn't pull any punches. He told it like it was. And we need to understand that if we need to get going to get our lives fixed, we're going to, we've got to fix a few things. Uh, but we're going to encounter his presence that's going to give us the promises that we've been longing for. So we long for things, but we don't experience. <clears throat> James says you, you have not because you ask not. But sometimes we have to ask in faith, believing. Uh, I, sometimes I meet people and they want to tell me about their big problem. And uh, I, they say, I've prayed about it. I've prayed about it for years. Stop praying about it. The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude to the problem. All right? We have a problem. Don't pray about the mountain. Don't tell God about the mountain. Tell the mountain about your God. Yeah? Start talking to the mountain. Jesus said in Matthew, uh, Mark 22, if you say to this mountain be thou removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart but believe you shall have whatsoever you ask whatsoever you say he didn't say pray he said say we have to speak to the problem now you may have a problem in your life it might be physical it might be mental it might be emotional it might be family it might be financial it doesn't matter what kind of a problem it is we have to speak to those problems we have to say to them in jesus name you need to get out of my life And name it and call it and tell it to go. But we need our lives right so that we're not living in sin. So that we're not living in selfishness. So that we're not living in wrong attitudes, wrong characteristics, wrong morality, wrong integrity. Yeah? And then we can start to encounter the presence of God. As we encounter the presence of God, the presence brings the promise. The promises that he's longed for to give us for so so long so just um, thinking about those Israelites crossing the Jordan River and they crossed over the Jordan River and Moses, um, sorry Joshua Joshua spends time with the Lord and the Lord reminds him about the (coughs) the covenant and they haven't Kept the covenant. You know what they've not done? Forty years they've been in the wilderness. And all the people that came out of Egypt are now dead. And there's a new generation. And the Bible says that all those that came out of Egypt, all those men were circumcised. And they've not circumcised anybody since they came out of Egypt. So now there is nobody that's been circumcised. And they have disobeyed the covenant. And God reminds uh, Joshua. sorry. And so they have a little ceremony. Joshua says, I've met with God. And he pulls out a knife. (laughs) Ouch. We've been disobedient to God and we cannot go into the promised land until we fix this obedience problem. So sometimes we know what we should do, but we don't do it. And it's time to do it. Whatever it is that we know to do, it's time to do it. Fix up those issues of disobedience and then we can live in the promises of God. Let's imagine our God. He's not a guy up the stairs with a great big whip trying to pull you into line. No, he's more more like the, the, the loving father that says, to the little child, and we've got six grandkids now, so we're loving that. And I'll sit down and I'll say, come to Poppy. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But I want you to imagine that a father calling his children to him is more the image of a God than the, than the guy with a big whip trying to make us do things. Right? It's more of a God that loves us so much I want to give you all this stuff, but just come to me. I've got all these presents behind my back waiting for you. But we don't come. If we don't come, the presents are still behind his back. So let's come. Let's come into his presence and enjoy the presence of our God. So I want to close today with asking you to stand and just make a decision to come into his presence. I'm wondering if the musicians, are you able to come back and a bit of music for us because that will help us greatly. <clears throat> We're not dependent upon the music but sometimes we think we are so it helps us a little to enter into his presence. Sometimes we need a Holy Ghost encounter. We need to just meet with Jesus and I want to ask you today. Are you ready to meet with Jesus? Are you ready to come into his presence, put aside all that other stuff, whether it's it's disobedience or whether it's selfishness or things that have got in the way, just the materialism of this world, and come and have a God encounter because we want to change this city. It starts with us. It starts with us. Hallelujah.
1: See His glory right
0: now. And put aside the thoughts of this. Put aside the thoughts of this life. Just concentrate on Him now. Let Him see. I pray that you see His glory. I pray that you see His glory right
1: now.
0: He's going to start putting His finger on things in your life. And you're going to start to realize.
1: Oh, That.
0: That. I need to fix that. I want you to, as God puts things into your mind that He wants to fix, I want you to say, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. I want your holiness.
1: I want your presence. I want it manifested to me. Glory forever.
0: your spirit touches us in our hearts and our spirits our minds understand what you have said to us about certain things in our lives father we lay them down father we lay them down right now father we ask you for your presence to fill us we want to live in your promises we want to live in your promised land father we're coming through jordan We're coming through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We know that we can't live in your encounter without the Holy Spirit in our lives. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I pray that your Spirit will touch us here in this place. Let us know your glory. Let us know your glory. I think some of you don't... uh, don't really know what that experience is um, I think some of you are are, um, are needing to be baptized in the Holy Spirit you don't have a freedom in the Holy Spirit to just encounter God and I'd love to pray for you this morning love to pray for you and we've seen literally hundreds and hundreds of people receive the Holy Spirit so 500 people at one time receive the Holy Spirit all in one place uh, god's able to do it for one person like me in the backyard of a service station or 500 people in a in a service doesn't matter where you are when you come to meet with god come and meet with god i want to pray with you if you're just not flowing in the holy ghost you're not praying in other tongues you're not sure if you've ever been baptized in the holy spirit you know that you need that you know that you need that you need that flowing in your life. Would you come and let me pray with you? Would you come and stand out here? There's no, no nothing to be ashamed of, no embarrassment. We're here as a family to pray for each other and to bless each other. Would you come? Let me just pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Others, please, just come. Let me just pray with you as we wrap up this meeting and just bring a great freedom, freedom in people's lives. Thank you. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you, Jesus.
0: Waiting for you. I'm waiting for you just a moment.
1: Jesus, you are
0: that freedom in the Holy Ghost. We pray that, Lord, you will open our eyes and our ears, and you'll open our hearts and our understanding, that, Lord, we'll be released in the Holy Spirit. just want to give you a word of instruction before I pray. I found it very helpful for people to understand that when we pray for the Holy Spirit, whether it's the first time or many subsequent times, we're wanting a release of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we need to participate with God. We're not observers. We're not watching, we're participating. And God is going to speak through you. He's going to put his words in your mouth. You have to actually let them out. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, if I had just stood here and not spoken today, but I had it all in my heart, you wouldn't have got it you got it because I spoke so I want you to let God work through you you may feel something you may not it doesn't matter whether you feel anything praise God if you do but but God wants to speak through you so it's a matter of believing We're going to believe that God is going to bless us. God is going to pour out His Spirit on us. Whether it's for the first time or a subsequent time, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us. We're going to speak with other tongues because God enables us. And we're going to be released in the Holy Spirit to have a Spirit-led life. Amen? Just start to pray, but don't use your English language, okay? Just start to utter the words the sounds, sounds strange to you that's okay we i remember doing this with about 15 15 year old girls in india and they all got baptized in the holy spirit and the excitement was just palpable and then they started praying for people and sicknesses started getting healed as we used these people who just got baptized in the Holy Spirit to pray for people and all kinds of sicknesses started to get healed because they believed because they've just become empowered by God the Holy Spirit is not given to us so you can become a part of a bless me club it's part of it's part of encountering God all right thanks just lift us into worship again and we'll just start to pray for you and I just want you to be released as we do that, Pastor Joe, Hosanna, would you join me?
1: Hosanna, Hosanna in the heart. to Eternity.